0: Welcome to another episode of Seminal Rap. I'm your host maxis Carpio, and today we're going to be talking about the FSU UM game with UM writer Adam Litchenson to talk about first eight matchup on November 5th. How are you, Adam? It's great to finally meet you, and happy to have you on the show. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. If you can just give the the listeners some background of your of your writing days and who you've covered throughout the college football? Uh,
1: well, I've been covering the hurricanes for a little bit more than six months now. So this will be my first season on the beat. My first time covering a uh, Miami FSU game, which is really exciting. Um, before I was covering the hurricanes, I was covering uh, prep sports down here in South Florida, uh, covered a lot of great players, a lot of great teams, a bunch of national champions uh, and a couple players actually uh, from who are on the FSC squad right now. Uh, Jordan Travis, played at uh, Benjamin and Palm Beach Central when I covered him. Uh, Akeem Dent was at Palm Beach Central and Bahoki, And uh, when I covered him, Jarrett Jackson, um, Kevin Knowles played at MacArthur. I covered him for a year or two. So, um, yeah, I had a chance to cover a lot of
0: excellent teams, a lot of great players who are playing at Miami, at FSU, uh, all over the country now. And being in the state of Florida for so long as a college football writer, what are your thoughts just on the FSU versus UM rivalry? well when I was growing up like when I was a kid and
1: just like getting into sports it was when Miami was like the best team in college football like one of my first sports memories is like just all the buzz around like the 2001 hurricanes like Ken Dorsey Willis McGahee you know all those guys on that Andre Johnson yes. Kellen Winslow all those guys on those teams so my early memories are just you know Miami beating everyone including FSU pretty much every year Um uh, and then as I got older, I went to college. I went to the University of Florida. So uh, nobody listening to this podcast likes me, I guess. Um, so I went to UF. And when I started getting into college football more, Miami was down. You know, we're talking like the Randy Shannon era, uh, Al Golden era. So, and FSU was on the rise uh, under Jimbo Fisher. So FSE was beating the crap out of everyone. Um, so I've kind of seen it from kind of both sides. Like I grew up while well, Miami was amazing. Followed college football more closely, you know, when FSE was coming up and one of that were one of the best teams in the country, and now
0: uh, both of them are trying to get back to that. You talked about the buzz in two thousand one, talked about the buzz in two thousand fourteen for Florida State. There's some buzz going on with UM right now. Had a couple commits. What have you seen from Kisselball during the off season? And is there, why is there buzz right now for the University of Miami? Oh yeah,
1: there's. I mean, it's it's live down here. Like everyone's excited. I mean one. You look at who Mario Cristobal is. He's a UM graduate. Well, you know, won two national champions at Miami. National championships at Miami. He's you know he's a Cuban guy. He's very Miami. Like he grew up. He went to Miami Columbus. Like he's a Miami guy, and that's important um, in Miami. You know, Manny Diaz was a Miami guy too. He was from down here. You know, but I don't think it's quite the same when he didn't play for UM and he didn't win championships at UM. So everyone's really excited. Plus, you know, he has a he has a good resume. Uh, came in after you know being an assistant under Nick Saban. After doing well at Oregon. So like people are, were pumped for him to get here to begin with. And then he comes in. His first recruiting class, the 2022 class, was good. I mean, he had, he had only about a month or so, a month and a half to put it together. And it ended up being pretty solid. It ended up being like 14th in the country. So that was impressive. And that was kind of the thing they stressed all through spring football was that we're here to work and we're here to get better. Um, plus, he brought in some great coaches. Kevin Steele has been around college football for decades. Everyone knows that, what he can do. Uh, Jamila Die from Georgia is a great coach, and you know he um, is one of the best recruiters in the country. Uh, Josh Gaddis is coming off winning a Broyles Award at Michigan, like so. He brought in quality assistant coaches, and that also added to the added to the buzz. And then, yeah, the last month or so, he's been just like reeling off Ws on the recruiting trail, like uh, picking up like f- uh, five star Francis Mabigoa, four star quarterback Jaden Rashada, a bunch of other four- blue chip prospects. Uh, might reel in a couple more um, today after we record in Jalen Brown and tomorrow in Jaden Wayne. Uh, So that's got a lot of buzz, even though those players aren't going to be here, you know, till next year uh, that's got a lot of buzz around the
0: program. So there's a lot of optimism down here. You talked about the coaching staff that he's built. Is there any specific coach or anything, any, anyone that you think like people are sleeping on or or think that he's built a room that is going to have a great year?
1: Um, I think Kevin Steele might be the maybe the coach that people are sleeping on the most, just because he's got that experience. He's coached great defenses in the SEC, and Miami, you know, playing an ACC schedule, you know, they kind of have fit the mold of like a stereotypical ACC team. Sometimes with like you know not always the strongest in the trenches, um, they're kind of trying to build like an like you know your stereotypical SEC team. They want to be really tough in the trenches, um, and Alex Mirabals doing really really well with that on the offensive line. Mario Cristobal is doing well with that on the offensive line. Uh, And then I think Kevin Steele, you know, he's been around, he's been at like half the schools in the SEC at some point. Um, So he's got, he knows what needs to be done to really build a strong defense. So I think people might be sleeping on him a little bit. And there's also not a lot of talk about Charlie Strong, who I didn't even mention. So maybe I'm sleeping on him too. Um, Charlie Strong being the linebacker's coach. We're talking about a guy who, you know, won championships at Florida as a defensive coordinator, who coached in the NFL, has been around. He's been a head coach at multiple stops, like, and had, you know, mixed success, but he got a former you know, national championship defensive coordinator, a former, you know, guy who won a Sugar Bowl as a head coach, coaching linebackers. Like, that's pretty impressive, too.
0: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about the trenches because we've seen UM had problems in the trenches over the past few years. Is that going to be an issue this year, and how do you see that changing?
1: Um, Well, you can only change things so fast in college football. You know, you can't make trades. You can't do stuff like that like you can in the pros. So you have to build stuff a little more slowly. Now, that's changing a little bit because the transfer portal. They're bringing in a bunch of transfers. Um, So I think they'll definitely be better. And I think working with Alex Mirabal, who's a really strong offensive line coach, will definitely help. Uh, They've got two defensive line coaches in Rod Wright and Joe like So that's like, a a, and they basically have two offensive line coaches because Mario Cristobal is an offensive lineman himself and he he spends a lot of time coaching those guys up. So you effectively have two, you know, big time coaches on each side of the trench, you know, on the offensive line, defensive line. So I I definitely don't think they'll be worse. I definitely think they'll be better. Um, Now the question is, are they good enough to, you know take that next step and go from a seven and five eight and four team to maybe a nine and three or ten and two team you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see but i definitely think they'll be
0: improved have you been able to go to practice and go there throughout the off season maybe just to the practice facility
1: um not so much in summer workouts but in the spring we were there for almost every practice we weren't allowed in for uh for scrimmages like we had a couple uh scrimmages before the spring game couldn't see what couldn't watch those but we were there for almost every other practice uh So we got a good view of like, you know, how the coaching staff wants to work, who's looking good, who's not, you know, where it needs to be worked on and that kind of thing. So we got a pretty decent
0: look at them in the spring. I know it's changed since last season. You didn't cover Manny Diaz. So what was the atmosphere like? How has it changed? And are the players excited? Are the people around excited? The boosters excited? Just from talking to people, everyone talks, you know, especially all spring was like,
1: it's so different. It's so much more intense. Players are running everywhere, which is a little thing, you know, you know, but it's something that, you know, the players aren't jogging from, you know, drill to drill or station to station. They're almost like sprinting every time. I remember there was one point in spring practice where uh, we went, we didn't see this in person, but Mario Cristobal stopped practice. He just like stopped everything down. So this is not the intensity that I want to see. You need to get your act together, shape up like, and run, like act like you want to be here. Kind of, we wouldn't, we didn't see that. We only heard about it secondhand, but and like I said, I, I didn't see I didn't cover many Diaz's practices, so I can't say for sure that, you know, the same thing wouldn't have happened or that it's a total sea change. But from talking to people around the program, talking to even other reporters, it does seem very different. Everyone seems very excited and very up for this coming
0: season. Were you able to get out there for the spring game?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was. Um, they played it actually at a at drive pink stadium in Fort Lauderdale, which nice little venue. They had probably about 10,000 people there. Um you know, it's a nice soccer, soccer stadium in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, they, they were, they had some good things. They had some things they need to work on. Um, but definitely, again, a lot of buzz around the program. They had a ton of recruits out there uh, and Marcus Wolf's
0: always recruiting. So um, overall, you know, it's a good experience. Talking about those recruits that came in, not for Marcus, but for someone else was Tyler Van Dyke had a great season last year. Speaking on him, have you seen him improve this off season? What do you expect from him next season? Um,
1: I definitely expect big things. I mean, there's a lot of hype around him right now and I, I do think he's going to live up to it. I mean, he may not win a Heisman, but he's not, it wouldn't be like out of the realm of possibility. Um, especially if Josh Gatt, Josh Gaddis really, you know, they throw the ball a lot this year. I mean, I think there's a really good chance. Like he, like Miami's record for most touchdown passes in the season. It's only 29. Like there's a very, and he threw 25 last year and didn't even start the season as a starter. Like very real chance. He breaks that record. Um, I definitely think like, the offense is going to kind of revolve around him because Miami has solid running backs, but they don't have like one guy who's just going to run for a thousand yards. So I think the offense is going to really revolve around him, and I expect him to have a really big year. He looked really good in the spring. Um, I was making jokes like on Twitter, like, "And here's another great Tyler Van Dyke pass, like broken record." But uh, here's another one. Like he looked, he looked pretty good in the spring. He had, he didn't look perfect in the spring game. I think, he, if I remember right, he got hurt by a couple drops. Like his statling got hurt by a couple drops, but. Um, overall, yeah, I definitely think he's, um, he's
0: primed for a big year. So as a writer and someone who's been there, do you believe that he's going to be a top five, maybe top 10 quarterback and really bring this team back up maybe just next season? Um, top five might be asking a lot. I mean, you've got so many great quarterbacks
1: around the country right now. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, like, except to say, oh yeah, he'll be right there with him. But I definitely don't think top 10 is too much to ask. I definitely think that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, he definitely, he has the potential to do that. I think he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Now,
0: the best, maybe, maybe not, but like up there for sure. And I was going to ask you about other standout players in the in this team. I know they've had a solid running back room. The trenches are starting to build back up. Are there any players that you think can stand out next season, maybe stand out in that Florida state game, whichever room it might be. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I think about running backs. Like
1: I'm very inter- interested to see how they manage the running back room. Cause they've got a lot of talented guys. Um, Jalen Knighton was their leading rusher last year. Uh, One time Florida state commit, if I remember correctly, Um, local guy actually from Deerfield Beach. I covered him in high school too. Um, He he was their leading rusher last year, but he only averaged about four yards to carry. Um, So I want to see what he can do. I think he could have a big year, but they also have some, uh, they have a very diverse running back room. They've got Knighton. who's kind of a speedier guy can do good things in the passing game too. They've got Don Chaney coming back. He's a young guy. Um, He hasn't had a ton of playing time, but uh, And he's been limited by injury, if I remember correctly. And he was limited by injury again in the spring. But he's kind of a bigger bigger running back. Uh, they got Henry Parrish, another South Florida guy, in as a transfer. He was actually one of the guys getting the most uh, snaps and running back in the spring because Knighton and Chaney were limited by injury. I definitely think he can, he can make a splash this year. He was pretty solid at Ole Miss. And I think he could do big things in the running back room for, for Miami this year. And then on defense, let me think. Uh, they got a bunch of transfers in. Um, Akeem Mezador, Caleb Johnson, Mitchell Agude, Daryl Porter, all guys who I expect to see on the field a good amount this year. Um, Caleb Johnson, somebody who they really, I think, want to help steady the linebacker room, which was an t- issue for them last year. Um, he's coming in from UCLA, um, and I think he should make a big impact. He'll probably, I, I, wouldn't ex- I would expect him to probably start this year, more likely than not. Uh, and then, like, like I said, those guys who are on the defensive line, like um, Akeem Mezador, Mitchell Agude, uh, Jacob Lichtenstein from USC no relation um he they're all coming in on the defensive line they'll they'll probably make an impact in rotation on that line uh and then like I said Daryl Porter at cornerback he did, wasn't here for spring but he transferred in from West Virginia another South Florida guy uh, he's from American heritage he's coming in I expect him if, he doesn't, if he's not the actual
0: starter at cornerback um, I definitely expect to see him a lot on the field and going to the game on November 5th are these some of the players that you think can stand out according to like Florida State's weaknesses maybe on the offensive line if they're going to rush them or I guess Florida State's linebacker room how are they going to play the pass game are these some players that can stand out in that game well you mentioned somebody who could maybe go after FSU's linebackers is a wide receiver Xavier
1: Xavier Restrepo um, he got he got on the field a good amount last year but he's really going to step into that main slot receiver role this year very good hands he's got speed he can he can you know, stretch the field when he needs to, but he can make short catches, like, you know, mid-range catches when he needs to. So he's a guy who I would definitely watch, you know, to stand there, especially if, you know, if FSU's um, linebackers are not quite up to speed, I could definitely see him, you know, getting, you know, eight
0: catches over the middle, basically, and just kind of taking advantage of that. Yeah, it's definitely a room that's been needing some improvement. And we've had Randy Shannon, like you said before, working through that. Focusing on the game last year, did you watch the game? What were your thoughts on the game? And a lot of UM fans like to say after that game, the focus shifted. The focus shifted from Manny Diaz to the next coach, the next bringing in what's going to be next for UM. How do you think that that's actually true? And do you believe that game did anything for them?
1: I, th- I think a lot of Miami fans w- now will say, thank God that we lost to FSU and that fourth and 14 happened because if it didn't, Now, they may be, you know, kind of puffing out their chest here and just being acting that way because they want to. But, like, if that didn't happen, Manny Diaz very well might still be Miami's head coach. Um, You know, they could go on at that point. I think they still had a chance to win the Coastal. Like, they could have had a okay season, a survivable season. Uh, But after, you know, blowing that lead and you know after fourth and 14, uh, things, I think, just kind of became untenable um, for, for Manny Diaz. And the fan base was he'd already probably lost the fan base by that point, but it was just gone, gone at that point. Um, so while Miami fans never want to lose to FSU, obviously never like this one worth it. You know, this one loss probably worth it. Uh, so yeah, after last year's game, I, I think there's a lot of that, like, Hey, thank God that happened.
0: Like, and we got Mario Cristobal now. And that obviously happened in Doe Campbell stadium. They're going to play in Miami this year. How do you think the home field advantage will help them and know that those, those 14, for those fourth and 14, comments and jokes throughout the off season, they're going to be wanting to, to really put it on FSU this year.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think how, you know, it depends on how the beginning part of the season goes. Cause at this point, like by November 5th, I think Miami will almost certainly have at least one loss uh, to Texas A&M. I, I don't think they're going to win that game. Um, maybe they prove me wrong. We'll see. I don't think that's impossible, but I don't think they'll win that game. If, if they have like three losses at this point, people might be kind of down, but if they're rolling, because they have a winnable schedule, I think between basically A and and FSU, if they're rolling, they have one loss. Like they'll be a top 10 they It'll be alive. Like it'll be crazy. It'll be Pack Stadium. Like and it'll be a really really good time. Um, so kind of depends. Like if if it's kind of you know, bad, it's kind of um obvious, but like if they're a bad team, then it'll be a little more
0: mellow. If they're rolling, it'll be hyped. And the game is obviously months away, but before that game. UM will play Virginia, Virginia and Duke, and FSU will face off against Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest. They have a tough stretch there, and they played Georgia Tech before that game. How do you think their schedules will help or hurt that game going into that in November fifth?
1: Uh, well, I think one, it kind of depends on what we see, like from Virginia. Um, you know, I've read a few different things about them, like, but maybe it's just my my inherent bias. Like, I don't expect Virginia to do a ton, but I know they're I know they're better than I think they are. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think that's a game that could be a losable game for Miami though. I would pick them to win it. Um, but if Virginia plays them really tough and they come out with like a 28, 27 win or, you know, a loss, then, um, they might be, then it, they might, we'll see how they react to that, I guess. Um, but if they, come, like I said, if they come in and rolling, then they'll be just kind of like, like a rock, like a boulder rolling down a hill with all that momentum. Um, so yeah, I guess, mean, like yeah, like You said it's, it's months away. It's hard to say for sure. Like, but. It could, it could kind of go either way. Um, I know it's kind of a wishy-washy answer, but, you know, we, we haven't seen the seen these teams play yet.
0: Yeah, for sure. And talking about the momentum in this game, if FSU comes out with the win, if UM comes out with a win, how important do you think it'll be confidence-wise for both teams moving forward?
1: Uh, I mean, like, anytime you beat, you know, a rival, a, a, the other team in this rivalry, like, it's a big win. Like, even though, even when both teams are, like, mediocre, which they had, you know, been kind of down the last couple of years, it's still a huge game. You still want to get that win, and I imagine Mario Cristobal, who again Miami guy, Miami alum. He, I'm sure he badly wants to beat FSU. He's had that kind of ingrained in him since like 1988. Like you know, he wants to beat FSU, and it's his first chance. His first chance, really, like his first time as Miami's head coach going up against FSU. So you know he wants that win. And FSU, I'm sure. Like I'm sure, if you know they come into this game and they take down Miami and they beat Mario, then they're going to puff out their chest and say, Oh, this is your guy. Yeah. He can recruit well, but he can't beat FS. He can't beat us. Like, you know, so that's, that's the fun part of this rivalry. There's narratives either way. It's always going to be fun. And no matter what happens, it'll definitely um, be a fun, a fun game to cover.
0: Going aside from what you said about Mario Cristobal recruiting. Well, we've seen a lot of people saying he recruits well, but then when it gets to the the season, it's a different story maybe in the offense or in the defense. How do you think that'll change this season? Or do you think it'll change at all? Maybe because we know he regret, he gets a lot of recruits. He knows how to bring in players. But with the X's and O's, it's been a problem maybe at Oregon. How do you think that'll change this year?
1: Um, I, I think that's been a bit overblown. I think that's because he's been doing so well recruiting that like rival fans want to say, yeah, but he can't win. Like, the dude run, won a Rose Bowl. He's won the Pac-12 championship twice. Like He's, he's won things. No, he hasn't made the playoff yet doesn't won a national championship but he's definitely he's accomplished things like he's won big games last year they got beat by Utah twice okay they lost in the Pac-12 championship or uh so maybe you know I think people can say that you know he lost a big game he lost another big game and blah 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 I think it's less of a problem than than people like than rival fans want to think um and he's got great assistant coaches around him too so I think it, like I said it's less of a problem I don't, I don't think they'll have an issue and this is not very well, this very well could be like Mario Cristobal's worst Miami team. Um, with the recruits he's bringing in, this team, I mean, we'll have to see how things go. If they go, you know, four and eight, then things will change. But if they go 10 and two, things will change too. Um, So I, I definitely think like that kind of problem of like, oh, he's not a big game coach. It's probably a little overblown. I, I'm not, I'm not super concerned about it. Now, if they have a great year, but, you know, lose to AM and and lose to FSU and lose to Clemson and don't make the ACC title game um well actually if they go nine and three they probably, people probably won't be too upset but you know if they lose with uh, you know four or five games then people might start getting that might that chorus might start getting a little louder but they, sitting
0: where we are right now I don't think it's a big problem what do you think the best case scenario is for Mario Cristobal and his team next year moving forward um, in that game not not uh, in the season yeah. not schedule wise but in that mm-hmm. game what's the best case scenario to put on a show for their fans
1: I mean, the best case scenario is they, they pick up a huge win. They win like 45, 10 and the backups are in and Mike Christmas on the sideline celebrating with, you know, flexing and stuff like that's, and that's the best case scenario. Um, just to say like, it would, after last year's loss, um, it'd be the fifth win in six years for Miami. And it, you know, after it kind of erased last year's loss and it would give hurricane instance to say like, yeah, last year that, that stunk. But like, we got a new guy in here now, he's changing things. We're on a roll. Like, that's definitely the best case
0: scenario. And you said the best case scenario putting backups in, how do you actually see this game playing out maybe through quarter to quarter or halftime, like UM up or UM comes out with this win. Uh, Reserving the right to change my opinion,
1: you know, after, after the season starts, um, I, I do, I do think Miami wins this game. Um, I do think, I don't, I wouldn't say it's going to be a 45 to 10 blowout, but I I could definitely see Miami, you know, it being close for for a half or three quarters. And then, Miami ending up ending up with like a, a seven to 14 point win. Look at th- one to two touchdown victory is probably what I'd, I'd say right now. Uh, I think like I said, I think Tyler Van Dyke, I know last year, he started off really slow um, before kind of kicking it into gear in the second half. Um, I think he's definitely better than he was last year. I, that, you know, you can see him passing for, you know, three or four touchdowns. Like the offensive line protects him better. The Defense does better. They don't give up a fourth and 14 pass. Like, you know, uh, I definitely think this team is better than last year. So I, I think sitting where I am right now, I think Miami comes out with a, like I guess, I a seven to 14
0: point win. Are there any intangibles that make Tyler Van Dyke better and things he's most like he's took a big step forward this season to improve?
1: Definitely. Um, I mean, for one, you have the experience. I mean, last year you got, they, they expected Derek King to be the starting quarterback. He gets hurt. And he also wasn't like the, if I remember correctly, like there was a bit of a, Discussion like is it Tyler Van Dyke who's going to step in or Jake Garcia, and then Jake Garcia gets hurt and he misses most of the year. So it was Tyler Van Dyke's chance last year, at like kind of like you know unexpectedly, and he succeeded. Now like this is his job after playing basically a full season, you know, full ACC season. Like he's had that experience. He knows the job is his. He's had a whole spring now to work with you know with Josh Gaddis and Frank Ponce, the uh, the quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator, like. I mean, this is – he know, and he knows all the hype is there, but he seems like a guy who doesn't let – he doesn't, doesn't let that get to him. Like, yeah, he knows it's there, but he's just going to go out there and kind of just be a machine. Um, I think – so I think having that experience definitely is an
0: intangible thing that, like, will help him going forward. It seems like Tyler Van is going to want this game after what happened last season, and the other players, after talking all that smack maybe on Twitter or on TV, they're going to want this game a lot, so – I understand that you think UM's going to win and other people have different opinions, so we'll see what's going to happen. Hopefully mm-hmm. a good game November 5th. Last question for you. I know you, like we talked about before, you used to be a Gators writer. As a former Gators writer, how is it to see right now, we saw Florida get two, comm- two commitments not too long ago, Miami's re- recruiting on the trail, FSU's doing better on the offensive line commitments. How is it seeing Florida get back? Maybe not, I won't say get back on the map, but they're starting to climb that ladder, that ladder and each team is getting their recruits. Now what's that like to see? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, yeah, since, since I started covering the hurricanes, I'm like, okay, can't be a fan. Like, so I haven't been ignoring Florida, but like, like that's not the team I'm focused on anymore, but I do have a lot of friends, obviously who are huge Gators fans. And a lot of them were um, up until yesterday. Uh, were very distressed about, you know, how recruiting was going, how it felt like, you know, both, you know, Mario was out recruiting for uh, Billy Napier. And it felt like you know I know like um, what's his name I think Roger Kearney had like literally like taken a visit to Florida and then left and committed to FSU and everyone's like what the heck's happening here what's Billy Napier doing um, definitely que- I think a lot of my my Gators fans have had that kind of like quelled a little bit um, because you know day before we were recording this um, Marcus Stokes four star quarterback committed Trayon Webb four star running back committed and that's like okay maybe things aren't as bad as like the people freaking out think they are think it is. Um, I definitely think, I mean, like, and if you're going to be billion you're at Florida, you have to compete with FSU and Miami in your state. You have to compete with all these teams coming from out of state for recruits like Alabama, Georgia, uh, Clemson, Ohio state, you know, all these teams coming in trying to get the best recruits out of Florida. And then you have to go play and you have to play, you know, LSU, Georgia every year, uh, to Tennessee team that might be getting better. Um, I'll believe that when I see it, but like supposedly, um, so it, it's, it's, watching like Florida fans kind of like go through the ups and downs of this offseason have, has been really interesting. And I mean, like now as an outsider, I can be like, it's kind of funny. Like y'all are so emotional, but um, I can see the same thing for Miami fans or FSU fans. I think it's just the state, like everyone, everyone in Florida. Like I joke with my friends, like every, the fan of every Florida team, hurricanes, FSU, Florida, UCF, like everyone's, Super emotional, super, like everyone's like is super in their feelings all the time. And that's great. That's what makes it great. Like, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Everyone's always trying to dunk on the other fan base. Like it's fun. Um, and
0: when it goes bad for those teams, um, it gets very funny to outsiders. And with the rise of states like Texas and California, we need Florida to go back up. We need Florida to get back there. What are your thoughts just as a fan, just seeing you need to see Florida, those Florida teams Maybe get one of them at least get to the college football playoff. One of them get ten wins. Everyone keep improving.
1: Well, not a fan. Very clear. Very clear. Not a fan anymore. But um, no, football football's always better when the state of Florida is killing it. Like you look at the '90s and early 2000s, like when these teams were great. It was so much fun when any of these three teams could really beat each other if they were to face off. Like that's when that's when college football, at least in this state, is is amazing. Like, and that's when fandom is amazing because all three fan bases have a chance to, to dunk on their rivals or get dunked on in return. Like uh, that's when it's fun. Like, I mean, at, yeah, I'm sure Miami fans would love to, you know, beat FSU 45 10 and then go to a bowl game and beat Florida 45 10. And that'd be amazing for them. But like, it's also fun to win 28, 27, you know, it's also fun to win close games against great teams. Like, so I think deep down, though they may not want to admit it, I think Miami fans want FSU and Florida to be good, and Florida fans want Miami and FSU to be good, and FSU fans want Florida and Miami to be good so that when they win, it feels more special. I appreciate you taking the time, Adam. No problem. Thank you again for having me.